0: Nice. Harper lifts off and gone.
1: Huffle Huffle. Welcome to Rocks and Dirt, a TuxedoCast production. Tonight's broadcast brought to you by Nutty's Peanut Butter in Jefferson. I'm Mike. I'm here with Todd and Steve, gentlemen. How do you do? Hey, hey, hey. We're going to hear from Robert Dodd a little while from now. He's going to talk to us about the Tour de France. But tonight we're talking about Bruce Springsteen, the boss from New Jersey. And I'll tell you guys, I think I'm the only, the only fan. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one, but it can't be because he packs out stadiums. But I don't know any of these people.
2: I feel like I'm the only fan. What do you guys feel I, about I him? have this momentary uh, lapse of judgment, and I like some of the stuff that he has. <laughs> no, I'm momentary kidding. I, no, no, it's, it's good. I like uh,
1: well, I talk like Bruce. i'm a big fan, but I got to looking at the his discography springfield <laughs> he's got a lot of stuff he's got a lot he's got hundreds of songs, and I'm really talking about like maybe twenty of them there's about twenty yeah. songs that I really like a lot, and then he, he's got a a station on Sirius x m called e street radio, all Bruce all the time, or maybe covers you know yeah. and things like that but it's, anyway, I like him a lot the songs that I know. Uh, 1973, all the way up to uh, last year. He's got 20 albums. Steve, where does he stand in your book? I've always liked some of his songs. I'm not
3: a I'm not a big fan, but I do like. He has several songs I really like. Born to Run, I love. It's an anthem, I think. And I love when we play it. It's it's not an easy song to play either. That part, y'all know what I'm talking about.
1: Right, in the middle. Oh yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, it's, I spent a lot of time on that, that those chromatic, dun, 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 dun.
1: yeah, we, we all,
3: we look at each other when we do it and we, uh, we, we've been getting it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love Born to Run. I like some of his other songs, uh, Badlands,
2: Jungle Land. Jungle
1: Land. That's a big one in, uh, uh, in concert.
2: Yeah. A lot of anthemic type songs. What was that slow one I tried to work up that time? Uh, my hometown.
1: My Home, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. he's uh, got one called Ramrod that's big in concert. Uh, right. I don't know that one. Brilliant Disguise, oh, yeah. which is good. Uh, Streets, so of Phil- up, one. Yeah. Streets of Philadelphia, that Streets of Philadelphia was big uh, in 1993. Anyway, so 1975, here comes Born to Run. Of I, I the third it, album. Ryan, right. I was looking at his site, and his top 100 songs, that was number one. So that's, yeah. that's his that's biggest one. Uh, Coming Close would be Born in the USA in 1984. But here's something that I didn't know, Steve. Todd, he doesn't have a number one outside of Blinded by the Light, which was done by Manfred Mann. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. He's got a number two with Dancing in the Dark. Yeah, that was big. And he was part of a number one with We Are the World with A Thousand Other People. And we've talked about that (laughs) in the Bob Dylan episode. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But he doesn't have a
2: number one song that he sang and he wrote. I did not know that. He wrote Blinded by the Light. He did. And he also sang it and did a recording of it.
1: Yes. First album. I
2: believe. And he commented on Man for Man's recording. Yeah, there's hey.
1: the there's the line. There's the right. the, the somewhat controversial line. Yeah. They, in Springsteen's version he says, uh, caught up like a cut de- loose. Cut like loose a like a deuce. And he's referring to a nineteen thirty two Ford, which is called a Deuce coupe. Oh, cut loose like a deuce, in the night. I said. That's right. That's different. Right.
3: It sounds it completely loose.
1: different from the one he number one hit. He says that every yeah.
3: chorus, too, I think.
1: The number one from Manfred Mann, Blinded by the Light. Manfred Mann's Earth Band. <laughs> what year was that? <laughs> 76,
3: uh, but I think it went to number one probably in 77 here in the United States anyway. And
2: yeah, he, he said, I don't know what Manfred Mann was saying. He goes, well, I don't know what was up with that. He made some kind of comment about it. Right. It,
1: so it's become kind of legendary what he's saying in that, the light, that
0: version.
2: Wrapped up like a the another runner in the night.
1: It's arguable that he's saying the very same thing. He's saying, But he's saying revved up like a dude. So you look at the lyrics. It sounds like wrapped up. You tell us. So, so there he is uh, with the E Street Band. He had, they had highs and lows. Uh, when he, he kind of dismantled the E Street Band there for a while. Um, in the 90s, really weren't very kind to him hit-wise. But then he brought it back. And then uh, his, one of his original guys, the big man, Clarence Clements, the sax player... Uh, passed away in 2011, and that was a big blow to him. And he brought in his nephew Jake Clemens to play the sax hmm. uh, for a while. So now he's just kind of riding the he's riding his hits. Jake almost got fired. Did you see
2: that documentary? Jake
0: from State Farm. No, anybody aware to. of that
1: I, I about be. Jake Clemens? Yeah. I I did listen to his anthology and he got on to Jake.
2: Yeah, he he said, "Listen, don't come in here thinking that you just got this gig because your uncle had the gig. You yeah. you start playing that saxophone." Yeah. Is this a Are Bruce
3: documentary or yeah. Clarence Clemens documentary? No,
2: it's Bruce. It's Bruce, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's oh. a it's like his I can't remember what it's called. It's like his anthology. I listen. It's him oh. talking. You know, it's like five hours long or something. That's on like his concerts. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) he became legendary for those two to four hour concerts too. Mm. So, uh, uh, Bruce, our topic tonight wrapped up like a deuce, (laughs) or so they say. Mike, do you know cut loose like a deuce? Do you know what a deuce is? Well, I looked it up. I didn't know until uh, until I did a little research. It's it's the deuce coupe, a thirty two Ford. Right. And they it a Deuce because of the two and 32. And a $2 dollar
3: bill, I think they called a Deuce.
1: Well, there's a lot of names for Deuce. And Kiss had a famous
3: song called Deuce on their
1: first album. I mean, title. you could go on and on. You drove a Deuce
2: uh, one time. Deuce Coupe? Little Deuce Coupe? No, Beach that course. that was a, a 20, uh, 23 Ford T-Bucket Roadster. I almost got killed in that car. Have I ever told you that story? I, I, I have vague memories of you almost dying. Steve, I don't think i that one. Let me tell you this story. Okay, so my brother has got this roadster, and uh, everybody loves it. We we drive it. We took it down to Galveston, drove it around stuff. But anyway, we come back, and he goes, "I'm gonna put a a footprint gas pedal on the roadster because of Joe Dirt. (laughs) Basically, it's because of Uh. Joe Dirt. Yeah, I'm having a footprint gas pedal put on it. You know." So so I backed this uh, car out of out of the garage, and I, I was like, Henry, can I drive your car? i sure. So I'm going to take it down the road and turn around and come back, and I, I back out of the car port, and I'm pointed right a- towards the road, and I'm going to do one of these. Just going to punch it. Just yeah, going to give yeah. it a little tap. Yeah, and I was in gear. I was going to catch a little rubber, and the, and the footprint gas pedal got hung on a bolt in the firewall. Whoa! And it was just like, headed towards the road. And so... Um, yeah, you had so, a decision to make, my friend. I had a, yeah, it, and I won't. No one get in all the details. I can tell you. I can. I can make this little story last ten more minutes. But uh, fortunately, when I went to try to turn and make the turn, I got spinning out in the grass, and I was no. able to reach down and kill the engine. It was. You reached down and killed the engine. You had to think fast. Well, the, yeah, and the key was uh, the key was behind my calf. You know, yeah. on the under the and you're seat. You're spinning in circles. You're i was spinning in circles at that point, like I'm riding a bull. <laughs> you're
1: like, yeah, you're like losing your equilibrium at this time. You're it was pretty, crazy. It's man, pretty
2: crazy. It's pretty crazy. you almost that. died,
1: man. I almost died in that I'd thing like three hear... times.
2: You want to hear the other two stories? <laughs> <laughs> I would like Whatever. to hear
1: Henry's version of this. So maybe, maybe. Next yeah, time. let's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it time to hear from our sponsor? It is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, tonight's program brought to you by Nutty's Peanut Butter in Jefferson, Texas. Check their Facebook page. Nutty's Peanut Butter, uh, my good friend and co-host at KVNE, her name is Carrie Parsons, and among her many talents, maybe the, maybe not so secret uh, anymore, the best kept secret, is her gift for making gourmet peanut butter. I'm going to go ahead and let's try some now, guys. We've each got a jar in front of us. I've got in front of me the peanut butter cup. Steve, what do you got? Peanut butterscotch. Yeah, there you go. Now, Todd? Now I've got
2: uh, gourmet peanut, gourmet flavored peanut butter. No, uh, oh, no, white chocolate chip. I'm telling you. this Very excited. It's phenomenal. You guys go ahead and talk amongst yourselves. Wow. This is delicious. Yeah, you guys try nice, that? Nice. I tried it before the show. Naturally, I saw peanut butter in my house. You know, it not only tastes good. It's good for you. 12 flavors, Nutty's peanut butter.
1: I'm nutty for nutties.
2: It's a it's a toss up between peanut butterscotch and uh, this one uh, peanut butter cup. And okay, like that it. was
3: butterscotch. I'm trying white chocolate chip now.
2: Yeah, sounds like something i really and like. And it's really good with jelly. Yeah, I'll try I tried it. Yeah. you got a cracker? Sure. Yeah. No, any go. crackers? I, I do not. <laughs> I got the jelly though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, Kerry Parsons.
2: Yes, thank you. It's wonderful. Yeah. How do you uh, get how do you get the stuff?
1: Uh, Go to Nutty's uh, peanut butter uh, Facebook page, and uh, you can order it right there. They got a Facebook page. I got a Facebook page. Nutty's peanut butter. Uh, Nutty's peanut butter in Jefferson. It's a it's a specialty shop. It's a it's a quaint, lovely little shop. Mm, that's good. Uh, they sell you know cookies and candy and things, but peanut butter is a specialty. And my goodness, there's not a person who tries it who doesn't just. Absolutely, fall in love with it. it Fitz and Jefferson is mm. quaint. I don't know. I don't know how she does it, and she's not going to tell me. My favorite of those three, I'm going to go with the uh, white chocolate. What was it called? White chocolate chip. White chocolate chip. That's mine too. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Uh, Todd,
2: um, what did I say? Earlier? I think
1: you said butterscotch, didn't you?
2: Yeah, the butterscotch is pretty yeah. good.
1: The butterscotch is good. I'm too. going to give an honorable mention to the uh, peanut butter cup. Okay, so. That's Nutty's Peanut Butter in Jefferson, Texas. Ask for it by name, except no substitutes. We're going to talk to Robert Dodd. Uh, he's on the phone wait for us. We're going to talk to him about the Tour de France as we enter the sports section of Rocks and Dirt. Robert Dodd? Yeah. Hey, it's Mike and Todd and Steve from the Tuxedo Cats. You're on Rocks and Dirt. How do you do, my friend?
0: Man, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Come We're on.
1: talking tonight about the Tour de France. I understand uh, you've got a little experience or a little background in this area.
0: Well, yeah, I'm a huge cycling enthusiast, absolutely. I mean, I've been for quite a few years. So, yeah, I w- I've never ridden the Tour, obviously, um, but uh, watch it every year and keep up with
1: it. Now, Robert, I understand <laughs> this, this, uh, this Tour, this... This uh, annual event goes all the way back to 1903, with every year except for the years of World War One and World War Two, and that there are 21 stages of this race that go over a period of thir- 23 days. Is that essentially correct?
0: Yeah, absolutely, right on the money. So, yeah. neat, neat tidbit of um, trivia is: Do you know why the tour started? Uh, no, tell us. It was all originally organized by a guy who owned a newspaper who wanted to generate business. So he said, I'm going to create this bicycle tour through the mountains. Through the it's Alps. It's going to be hell on wheels, and I'm going to cover it every day, and I'm going to sell newspapers. Wow. Hmm. wow!
2: I, I you, was, was going to uh, guess mail. They were delivering mail. <laughs>
0: that was my guess. Oh, <laughs> <close>. <laughs> no, And, you were, and I, no, uh, you, I would have believed you,
2: because I didn't know.
0: No. So, uh-uh. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, it is. It, it, it's it's got to, I mean, you got to understand something. Back when the tour started, there were no teams. There were no helicopters and buses and support vehicles, they literally threw a few spare tires around their neck. They hopped on their six-speed, 22-pound-plus bicycle, and they rode. And when they got thirsty... They just pulled into a shop. An owner of a store would just let them come in and grab bottles of beer, and they would stick it in their jerseys, and they would head on down the road.
1: Hey. You could virtually almost say all they had was rocks and dirt and, and bikes. That's pretty, that's pretty much, close. Pretty much all they had. Now, I understand that this year's race has been postponed until August 20th.
0: Yeah, it sure did. Yeah, First time that's ever been postponed. Hopefully it won't get canceled.
2: How much do bikes weigh uh, these days?
0: You know, those bikes on the tour, they're 14 pounds, 13, 14 pounds, 21 speeds, all carbon fiber, you know, built-in wind tunnels. Um, I mean, you still got to ride up a Alpe is, you know, 13 miles at, you know, 20% in some cases. I average, I think, is 11%. To give you some idea of there's not a single road in East Texas or in Texas, public highway, that is 21%. I mean, they most of those max out at nine, maybe. So, you know, 21% is a beast to get up. It would be hard to walk up that much less, you know, ride a bicycle up it. Even if you've got a 21 speed bike that you can drop into the granny gear, it's still extremely difficult. So, when Todd he called last week or so you know extreme sports you know a lot of people don't look at cycling like in the tour de france as an extreme sport i mean it's not like they're jumping a motorcycle and doing flips or they're snowboarding down the side of you know some mountain that has an avalanche chasing them down or base jumping nothing like that but it is pretty extreme uh these guys are doing 50 60 miles an hour down the backside of a mountain I just tell people I'm like, you know, if you really want to know some perspective on how dangerous it could be, it's just strip down to your underwear, <laughs> have someone call you down the road at 60 miles an hour, and just jump out the window.
2: <laughs> uh, don't try this at home, kids. When that uh, when yeah. the uh, handlebars start shimmying and shaking, that's really scary. Yeah, yeah, I do do that. <laughs> yeah, I remember
1: that. Now I do. I did read where there were some uh, fatalities in in uh, races in the past due to accidents and and other things, but also, uh, one guy through extreme doping, he was uh, doing amphetamines, and it wound I'm up being, being fatal to him. And and since then, doping has been a problem, hasn't it?
0: Oh yeah, I mean you know, it, you know back then, you know in the seventies and eighties, the edge was amphetamines, cocaine, anything that just got your blood pumping. So he got so hyped up on amphetamines that. He was climbing Mount Bontu, which is one of the longest and hardest climbs in the tour. Now, keep in mind, the tour moves around. It doesn't do the same course every year. He was climbing up Mount, Mount Bontu, and he fell over. Well, the spectators, you know, they, they basically put him back on his bicycle and push him, and he takes back off, and, you know, he's still trying to climb this mountain, and he just dies. His heart just exploded or gave out or whatever. But doping runs rampant in all sports. It's looking for that competitive edge. And cycling, it's all cardio. If you've ever looked at a pro cyclist, they have no muscle.
2: And their heads are aerodynamic. Absolutely. That's what amphetamines will do
0: to you. Well, and, you know, like the, the amphetamines, you know, in the old days, like I was saying, in the old days, that was all that was available. Nobody even cared until the late 80s when Greg Lamont won the tour. It never really took off. It never really took off. Then Lance Armstrong comes around and he was just very dynamic and boisterous and he you know the, the, the war the American public dominated. I mean,
2: yeah, he's our hero. Oh I
0: mean, yeah, he, he just became a hero in every sense of the word. So at that point, you know, cycling got very big in the in the late nineties. Doping got more sophisticated. You know, it started out with, you know, amphetamines and caffeine and various things. They realized that when you do a stage of the tour it's basically like running a marathon a full marathon every day with you know for 23 days with two rest days in between somewhere in there wait a minute 23 for the days most part, yeah it's 23 days and there's two rest days so there's 21 stages there's usually uh, maybe two time trials so there's 19 long stages roughly well what that does to the body is is you literally destroy your red blood cells. I mean, you totally deplete your body's ability to carry oxygen. At the end of the day, you you just destroyed your body, and you need time to recover. That's when they start. They found the EPO, and all EPO, all EPO is is a drug that was originally designed for uh, anemic people to help get the red blood cells back in their body. If I pump myself with EPO, I wake up the next morning. Good to go because I'm I'm I I just basically supercharged my body into recreating blood cells. That became the thing. Well, but when you start seeing someone like Lance Armstrong, I mean, climbing a, an 11 percent grade on a mountain and having to use his brakes to make the turns going uphill, oh. something's not right.
2: Hmm. He's defying he, gravity. He's just
0: well, yeah. I mean, yeah. And he's just dusting. He's dusting all these other pros. He's just where do you get this EP <laughs>
1: So seven straight years, the uh, Tour de France, there was no winner because Lance Armstrong won those years, and then he was stripped of his title.
0: Yes, because of EPO, but there was more. So then they created the test that would detect EPO. So they were testing these riders all the time. Well, then the riders and their doctors, I'm doing air quotes, their doctors said, you know what, we can beat this. Let's do blood transfusions. Really? So basically what that is, they would go and they would be training in the High Alps somewhere, and they're in their perfect shape. They're just training their body. They're full of red blood cells. Everything's good. They pull a couple of bags of blood out of their body and freeze it. These guys are nuts. And then sounds insane. And then <laughs> at the at the uh, at the right time during the tour, like maybe the night before a big stage, a big mountain stage, they would reinfuse their body with their own blood, which they pulled a month prior which is full of fresh red blood cells. And then wow. they would hit that tour, and they would be almost fully recovered.
2: Well, listen, before we have to go, I, I have one really important question that I wanted to ask you, and that was about uh, riding up and down the road in East Texas and getting in my way. So I wanted to know, how do we fix that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: That's a real yeah, practical,
2: practical question, Tom. Yeah, this, this, this is the kind of information that we need. This is, this is the, right down where, where we live. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Robert? Do you drive out in the middle of the road while I'm trying to get from Sulphur Springs into Quitman? No, <laughs> okay.
0: no, I don't. I don't drive in the middle of the road, and okay, no one God. should. He's a
1: conscientious um, dr- rider.
0: Yeah, there's, you know, first of all, cyclists have, and they have to abide by all the rules of the road that a driver does. They have the right to be on the road. And let's post it otherwise. Like you, you can't cycle down loop 49 oh, and you can't okay. cycle on roads with minimum speed, but you are, you know, unless otherwise signage is up, you have the right to be on the road. And you, you, you gotta abide by all the rules. You've got to, you know, stop at stop signs and red light. And you have to give away if you're driving down the road, riding your bicycle down the road, and whether you're by yourself or you're in your group um, and you're backing up traffic, you need to give way and let them go around. And that means you don't ride three and four breaths side by side going up a hill on a county road when you've got you know, cars trying to get, you know, waiting on to get around you.
2: All right, East uh, Texas. If you do this in East Texas, and some old cowboy's horn is broken, that that could be life threatening. <laughs> he can't take out his aggression with his horn. I know that's right. <laughs> yeah, and, and his fingers broken. Well, Robert, well,
0: and you, know, and we joke, and we do joke about it a lot. But in the end, it really isn't worth it either way. You know, if you're if you're the driver of a car, yeah, you will win that every time if you decide you want to hit someone. You oh, will yeah. win that every single time until you're going to have to live with the fact that you probably injured someone or even worse you killed someone for oh, what's that no nobody wants that i mean for what yeah 30 seconds of delay what i mean you know i i oh, watched, 30 no you know, no
2: watched, on that sulfur springs real, to equipment trip man i was behind those bicyclers for i don't know the cars were backed up felt like hmm. an hour yeah, it took like an, took well, like an that's hour. A
0: whole, that's a whole different thing. That's something that somebody should have called the law on them. I mean, yeah. you know, it's... it's yeah. But, you know, the majority of it, we're talking about a... If you look at it in the big scheme of things, it's a minor delay. And, you know, I see I have, I have see people have no problem waiting in line at Starbucks for 20 minutes to get their cup of coffee. And for, you know, 15 minutes, I wrapped around the building and out down Broadway for a Chick-fil-A sandwich. But for some reason, when you get up behind a cyclist, it's like, get the hell out of my way. <laughs> and I knew him, and with that,
1: we got it. <laughs> we say thank you. Robert Dodd talking about <laughs> cycling and a Tour de France and abiding by the rules. You know, before tonight, all I knew about bikes was putting baseball cards in the spokes and butterfly handlebars. But now I know a lot more about it. And I appreciate that. We do appreciate you, Robert. Thanks for spending time with us on Rocks and Dirts. And I uh, hope you'll come back and visit us again.
0: Anytime. Love
1: it. Good to be there. I love it. <laughs> Let's roll those credits. All Thank right, you very much you for joining it. us for All Rocks right, and right. Dirty for, for Todd and Steve, you I'm bet. Mike. You guys have a great night, and thanks for listening. Good night, Lois.